Lord willing, I plan to conclude this series this morning that we've been in the last few weeks in the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verse 8 is where we will begin this morning. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 8. This is the last Sunday of the month, and so the kids will stay in the sanctuary uh, today. And uh, I do want to say thanks so much to Patricia for her help as uh, Amy and my Bobby have left to go over to Columbus uh, to, to give their full attention to their church over there. She's helped us there. But I want to encourage you that anyone that can, we need some more help in Children's Church, and uh, we need some volunteers to help us out. And how many of you believe it's important? I know that you parents, you know how important it is. I know with younger kids, it's hard sometimes to be able to concentrate when you're wrestling with kids and everything. And so uh, if any that will, if the Lord lays it on your heart or if the pastor laid it on your heart, either one, I'll go with it. We just need some help there. Uh, so please, please, please uh, consider helping there. The book of Exodus chapter 14 and verse 8. If you got it or you see it on the screen, say amen. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pihiroth before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. But the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon its horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord." When I have gotten the honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. I want to continue and conclude this series on the Red Sea rules. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here in this place. Thank you for everything that has gone on. The worship and song, the worship and giving, Lord, our Sunday school classes, discipleship, Lord. So many great things that has happened so far. Lord, I pray that as we come to this part in the service, Lord, I ask for your anointing upon my life, that you'd give me the help that I need. Lord, give me the clarity of thought, the speech that I need. I pray that you just anoint me, O oh God, in a powerful way. Let me preach like a man. 
from another world. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice listening both here in the sanctuary and those on podcasts that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit. And Lord, we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Amen. I want you to do something before you're seated. As Brother Eric mentioned, he said we're here to encourage each other. Would you just look at somebody around you? Just tell them one encouraging thing before you're seated tonight. Not, nothing negative, but something encouraging as you're seated. Tell them they look good. Tell them you're looking good this morning. I don't care. Just something encouraging this morning. Well, let me encourage all of you and say, I am glad to see you in the house of the Lord here today. You're looking good, a good-looking congregation here today. I'm excited that you're here, thankful for what God is doing here at Starkville Church of God. Good to start seeing some that have been sick over the last several weeks. Good to see you back in the house of the Lord. And uh, we're praying and continuing to pray that God would just, I'm praying for not only for healing for those that are sick, but for protection for those that aren't sick, I'm praying that God would keep those that are not sick well. Somebody say amen. As much as he is the great physician to heal, amen. As much as he's the great physician to heal, how many of you go to a yearly, you go to a yearly checkup or you go to something? Why is that? Because you want to stay in good health. So if your earthly physician can help keep you in good health, then can't the great physician keep you in good health just as much? I believe that. So I'm praying that over all of us here today. I want to give you a quick recap. Again, as I said last week, I'm not going to re-preach any of it, but just in case you're maybe listening to this podcast for the first time or some of you sitting in this sanctuary, you've not heard the last two weeks or maybe you caught one. So far, we have looked at five of these principles uh, that I have pulled from this story. Number one was to realize that God means for you to be where you are. Number two was to be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. Number three was acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. Number four was pray. Number five was stay calm and confident and give God time to work. So as we begin to step into number six here today, I want to remind you that this is not some, if you'll follow these 10 easy steps, everything will be hunky-dory and great and every problem will go away. Absolutely not. No, these are simply principles that I believe we can find as we read this famous story from the book of Exodus. And so number six today is when unsure just take the next logical step by faith. I'm going to say that one more time for those that take notes. When unsure, just take the next logical step by faith. We go to verse 15 as we look at that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, there's something that I have learned about the Lord, uh, definitely from Scripture, and let me just tell you, I believe that if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not of God. So first of all, from Scripture, and then also just living life, and that is that God never guides us two steps at a time, but always one step at a time. 
Now, you know, we know that the Lord gives us vision, especially as a pastor, you know, that's so important for us today and as, as leaders uh, to give vision. And, of course, there was a vision given here that was given, of course, as every vision in the church world should be, a vision initially given by God. And that was given to Abraham way back yonder when he said, I'm going to give you a land that is not your own. And so we know that the ultimate vision was what? It was the promised land. It was this land called Canaan that these Israelites that was promised to Father Abraham many years ago that this promised land was going to be theirs. That was the vision way down the road. But how many of you know when God gave Abraham the vision, he didn't give him every step along the way, did he? Now, we know that prophetically that the, the Scriptures do tell us that, yes, they would be in Egyptian bondage, even though Egypt wasn't specifically mentioned at that time. But he didn't tell them every step. The wilderness wandering was not mentioned. Water from a rock, manna from heaven. There was a whole lot of sin. In fact, the Red Sea was never mentioned to Abraham. And so this is the deal. Most of the time, God will give us that vision of where we're on the way to, but we don't know every step along the way. Can I just say it like this, folks? I don't know about you. I'm thankful that I'm so blessed here on earth, but this earth is not my final destination. I am thankful. I've been blessed with health in my body. I've been blessed. I was blessed with good parents that raised me. I'm blessed with a wife and children. I'm blessed with all kinds of good stuff. I'm blessed to be here in a good church. I'm blessed with all kinds of stuff. But listen, this is not my final destination. You see, the final place, my ultimate destination, is not to see how blessed I can be here on planet Earth, but my ultimate destination is I am looking, as Abraham said, for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. In case you don't know what that is, folks, heaven is what I am looking for ultimately. But guess what? The Lord is certainly not going to tell me. He gives me that vision. He puts it in Scripture. He puts it in my heart that that is my final destination. But, folks, I don't get every detail along the way. Now, maybe you do. If you do, I wish you would sit down and talk to me sometime and tell me how you do it. But from my experience and from what I read in the Scripture, God guides us one step at a time. You see, the children of Israel... They, they couldn't even see the promised land then. They couldn't see the milk and honey. They couldn't see the giants. They couldn't see the Jordan River. They couldn't see the Red Sea until they got right in front of them. And God has them standing right in front of this Red Sea. Remember where they're at. The Red Sea in front, mountains on the side, and Pharaoh and his army behind. And now the Lord has said to them, what? He said, speak unto the children of Israel, what? That they go forward. That sounds nuts, doesn't it? Come on, y'all, be honest. Y'all are quiet this morning. That seems nuts, don't it? Go forward. The sea is in front of them. This is not just a mud puddle again. And the Lord says, go forward. Isabel Kuhn said this, I have found if we go as far as we can, God often opens up the rest of the way. You see, the way I read this text, it appears to me that they had to at least initially move closer to the sea 
and that before Moses would then even lift his rod and the Red Sea part. Right here it is. The Lord said, says, speak unto them that they go forward. Then he begins to talk about lifting up the rod and go. So it appears to me initially that the Lord is asking them to do something, and that is to take just one little step forward in faith. You know, many times I do find, as much as I say God only guides us one step at a time, I also find that many times that's all that God is asking for. He's asking that we would have enough faith to just take one little step forward. That we would believe him enough to say, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but I know that that is my destination, and so I'm going to take the next logical step by faith and believe that God is going to take care of me in this situation. Folks, I don't know if you've ever been there before or not, but I have. I've been in the place where I'm like, God, I just really don't know what to do, and I really don't even, I don't have one of these spiritual epiphanies that is telling me exactly what I should do, and it's at that moment many times that God will just say, just take that common sense. That's another sermon for another day. Just take that common sense that I've given you and just take one step forward in the direction that I have told you to go. You see, it appears to me that that was it, that he told him to do that. There's a story I want to share with you in, in this book that I told you that I've gotten many of this from. And I gave you a little quote from her, Isabel Kuhn. When, they, when the, this is about her, when the communists overran China, missionary Isabel Kuhn escaped on foot with her young son, Danny. Across the dangerous snow-covered Pien, uh, Pienma Pass, she finally arrived in the upper Burma, but there she was stranded at the world's end. Without money, unable to speak the language, and still half a globe away from home. She said this, I cannot tell you the dismay and the alarm that filled me. But in her perplexity, she made two decisions. The first thing is to cast out fear, she said. The only fear a Christian should entertain is the fear of sin. All other fears are from Satan sent to confuse and weaken us. How often the Lord reiterated to his disciples, be not afraid. So Isabel knelt and spread her heart before him. She said this, I refuse to be afraid and ask him to cast such fears out of my heart. Her second determination was to seek light for the next step. She had no idea how to get out of Asia, but with God's help, she could figure out what to do that day to provide food and funds, to find a safe place to stay, to find a means of communicating with the outside world. You say, what in the world does that mean? She made up her mind, first of all, as we talked about last week, she was not going to be afraid. Well, I'm going to say that one more time, and maybe I'll get a half a amen. I said she made up her mind she was not going to be afraid. And I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm not going to hesitate with it. Children of the living God, if you've got Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Spirit of the living God on the inside of you, then there is absolutely no reason why we should be living in fear. 
I'm not saying you can't be reasonable. I'm not saying you can't take your own steps to protect yourself and your family. But what I will stand behind this pulpit as your pastor and say is that you living in constant fear of anything is not of God. So here she is. She's this missionary that has fled China. Now she's at what many would call the world's end with only her and her young son. She has no idea how to speak the language. But yet here this lady is saying, I had to make up in my mind, I am not going to be afraid. Folks, I don't care. I don't care what's going on around us. I'm just going to have to make up my mind that I am not going to be afraid. I don't care how many friends or family members that I know get sick and may even die, but I am not going to be afraid. I don't care how many news reports I watch and how unstable it seems that the world is getting. I just have to make up my mind that I am not going to be afraid, and I will put my faith and my trust in God. Amen. The second thing she said was, she knew she just had to start taking steps. You know, what we, what we would have liked to have seen in that story would have been, we like the dramatic, don't we? Come on, y'all be honest. If you like a little drama, you like a little dramatic, what we would have liked to have think about in that story was her kneeling there at the world's end, praying this prayer, and a helicopter show up. Come on, y'all. A helicopter show up, pick her up, and take her straight back to the United States of America. But guess what? That's not how it happened. She said, I got to determine what I got to do next. So what'd she do? She determined, I got to find some food for me and my son. And guess what God did? I don't have all the details of the story, but she listed enough to say, I knew I had to find food. So some way, somehow, God helped her and her son find food. Then she had to find shelter, and God helped her find shelter. Then she knew she was going to have to be able to communicate somehow and get word, and so finally she made her way back home. Listen to your pastor this morning, because many times what we're looking for is the big, elaborate the scene like I'm talking about that we would get up from our prayers and the helicopter would show up, but sometimes God said, no, I want you to go and find food, and then after you go and find food, I want you to find some place to stay, and after you go through these next logical steps, God will be with you every step of the way and will eventually get you out of the mess that you're in. I got to keep going. I took longer on that than I intended. Number seven, envision God's enveloping presence. Envision God's enveloping presence. Look again at verses 19 and 20. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face, and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Now, I know I haven't talked a whole lot about it, but so I knew we were going to get to this part eventually. And, and we find in this, we find then in verse 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, 
made the dry the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So here here's the picture that we have. They've stood here. God said go forward. I believe in the way that I read this, they made must have taken one step forward. Moses stretched his rod out over the sea as the Lord instructed and suddenly what happens this wind begins to happen and pushes this channel in the middle of this sea water standing up on each side of this path at the same time we then find that this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of, that comes a pillar of fire by night then moves from ahead of them leading the way and moves behind them and on one side, for the Israelites, it is the pillar of fire that helps illuminate them as they're there in the dark. Remember, they didn't have a bunch of flashlights or anything. But it was a pillar of fire that illuminated the way for them that they could see, also giving them warmth in the wilderness and the nighttime. But yet on the other side, behind it for Pharaoh, it was darkness to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Later on in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 9, Isaiah explained that the angel of his presence saved the Israelites. The pillar of fire and cloud in theological language was a theophany or a Christophany. Now, now don't lose me right here because I start saying words like that, and I know some of y'all are going to be like, but if you will hold on for just like five seconds here, I believe you're going to get something. I want you to say theophany. It is a singular Old Testament appearance of God himself, specifically of God the Son. In other words, this is one of those theophanies, those instances in the Old Testament where Jesus Christ himself showed up on the scene and he was light and warmth for his people but yet he was darkness and confusion for his enemies and we see the same relationship today that Jesus is light and salvation to those who believe but to those who reject him he is utter darkness now I know what some of y'all some of y'all may not like that but I don't really care because this is the word. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. Because I want to dig into this just a, just a little bit more right here because I want you to see something important. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the scripture behold i lay in zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded unto you therefore which believe he is precious everybody say precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Hold on with me here, because you need to see this. Right here we find 
in the Old Testament, this theophany, everybody say theophany, where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. And in showing up in this cloud of darkness to the Egyptians and the fire of light and warmth to the Israelites, it is representative of what we find there in the book of 1 Peter. Stay with me. Here is what's happening and what we see happening in our world today. For those of us, Peter said, that will accept him, he is our cornerstone. He is our rock of standing. But for those that are disobedient and reject it, he is a stone of stumbling. Anybody follow with me? In other words, here you go. For me, when I read the Word and I study the Word and I am convinced that God made a male and female and not in between or change her up, for me, when I read that in the Word, that is solid ground. But you know what happens? People that don't believe it and don't understand, they get mad about it. And sometimes we're like, but I thought Jesus was just supposed to bring peace and love to everybody, to everybody that will accept him. To those that reject him, just like happened to the Egyptians, he was darkness. And just in New Testament, he said he is a stone of stumbling. For me that believes, when I, when I firmly stand and I believe that marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman. For me, and I stand on that, and it gives me hope, and it gives me clarity. But for those that are disobedient and don't believe what happens, they get mad. They get angry. They say, that, they say that I'm backward. But what does the Bible say? Jesus said, when they don't believe in him, what does he become? He becomes a stumbling block. Y'all still follow me this morning. So why are we surprised today when we stand not for what we believe or we think, but for what we know that this book teaches, what Jesus said. Why are we surprised when the world gets upset? It was spelled out for us a long time ago that the world, when they reject him, are not going to be happy. Can I remind y'all what happened to Jesus? The world crucified him. So please don't think that, oh, just because I believe in Jesus, everybody ought to love me. Uh-uh. When we really stand for what the Word says, it's going to make some people mad. Read about Stephen, the very first martyr who was standing and preaching as they were throwing stones at him. He was still standing upon Jesus, and it made them ang so angry, the Bible said, that they gnashed their teeth at him. Y'all, I'm going to be honest. It don't take much to get on social media anymore. And there's a whole bunch of teeth. Now, there's craziness nowadays of people that just disagree and hate each other. And folks, I'm telling you, I'm not talking about just your opinion of this and that. But I'm talking about when it comes to true biblical standards and principles, folks going to get mad. Psalm 125 
says this. Remember, we're talking about envisioning God's enveloping presence, and his presence was there, keeping them divided. Psalm 125 and 2 says, As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. In other words, he is always around us. Jesus is my sword and my shield. He is my front guard and my rear guard. He is always by my side. You see, folks, we told, I've got you to say it two times at least, and I'm going to let you say it one more time. Say theophany. That theophany was Jesus showed up one time. He showed up every once in a while in these random appearances in the Old Testament. But folks, I just remind you what happened, that when the fullness of time was come, that we don't have to worry that Jesus is just going to show up here randomly and show up there randomly. No, when Jesus came and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it was him that said, I am the friend that will stick closer than a brother. I've got good news for you here today, Starkville Church of God. He is not just a Jesus. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. There's not any theophanies anymore. No, he is with me every day. He's with me when I wake up in the morning. He's with me when I go to work. He's with me when I drive down the road. He's with me when I go to bed. He's with me all night long. Jesus is always with me. I got four suggestions in envisioning God's enveloping presence. Number one, affirm his nearness in your heart through Scripture. Folks, I'm just going to tell you, say what you want, call me legalistic, call me old-fashioned, call me what I don't really care. Listen, we ain't going to make it today unless we know this book right here. We are not going to make it unless we know this. Number two, visualize God's presence in your mind. Not to make something that's not there, there, but to remind yourself of what is there that we cannot physically see. You see, I'm not talking about some kind of fantasy world that you dream up. I'm talking about that we've got to begin to look through our spiritual eye and remember, as I've already said, Jesus said, I'm the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But we can't see him with the natural eye anymore. But sometimes I just need to think, and I need, when I'm afraid or I feel like I'm alone, I just need to remember in my mind, though I can't see him, he's here. Though I can't always feel him, he's here. I think by now y'all know me enough to know I love being Pentecostal and I love feeling the Lord. But I just got to be honest with you. There are times in my life that I don't always feel him. I don't always feel the goosebumps. I don't always feel that, that great sense that I do many times. But even in those times where I don't feel him, I stand on the word of God and I have to realize that he is still right here with me. Think about it. Think about what's really happening, those spiritual things that we can't see with our natural eyes. Number three, Access God's nearness through prayer. If you want to feel Him, if you want to access that nearness, He's as close as the air around us, then we got to pray. I'll just go ahead and say this too. I've already said it this way. We ain't going to make it without the Word in these last days, and we're not going to make it without prayer in these last days. You're going to have to pray. I'm going to have to pray. The church is going to have to pray if we're going to make it in these last days. And fourth, 
You ready for this one? Reflect his presence in your demeanor. I just happen to be of the opinion that I believe that church people, God's people, we ought to be the happiest people walking around on this planet. We ought to be folks that we ought to be. I'm not saying you always got to be fake and phony all the time, but I am saying you need to be realistic sometimes. And yeah, you may be having a bad day, and you may not always have a big old smile on your face, but when things are going bad, all you got to think of is, hey, just what the Bible talks about. He said, you ain't got to fear. Who's afraid of, don't be afraid of the one that can take your life, but be afraid of the one that can take your soul. So in other words, yes, hey, if it gets to what the worst it could possibly get on this earth is if I was to die or be killed. But I remember the promises of God that say to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So sometimes even in the deepest, darkest moments, I've got my, my attitude and my demeanor need to reflect the fact that I've got Jesus with me. Got to keep moving. Number eight, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. Trust God to deliver in his own unique way. Verse 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. It's a story many of us learned in Sunday school, and we've heard it over and over and over. But still, it's one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible, no matter how you look at it. Can you picture that? I know you've probably seen drawings and depictions of it before. But can you imagine those thousands and thousands of Israelites walking on this path, walls of water to their right and to their left? I think some of the greatest pictures that I've seen of it, I know it seems miraculous. But listen, I kind of like being a realist sometimes also. I know it's miraculous when you see the, the paintings and the pictures of Moses standing there with his rod and the, the waters just coming apart and everything. But to me, as a realist, as a parent, some of the, some of the greatest pictures that I see that I've seen drawn in the depictions are little kids running their hands. Y'all ever seen any of those as they're walking through the water and little kids just running their hands through that wall of water? As they're going, y'all know, y'all, come on, y'all got kids. Y'all know if you got kids, you know y'all's kids would have done that. I know I probably would have done that. And you think about that miracle as they're walking through, and you see grandma and grandpa and mama and daddy and kids walking through, and one of them's done, one of them finally reaches out first and does it. And then his friend back down there sees it. Oh, I got to do that too. And you see all these people, they're walking across where, remember, they were between the sea, the mountains, and Pharaoh. God's put the cloud and the fire between them. And now there's this heavenly highway in the middle of this sea, and they're walking through this place. They would never, ever, ever could have imagined it. I know for us, we've read and heard this story and preached this story so many times, but think about how amazing that was to them. I mean, he could have done it a hundred different ways, couldn't he? Later on in the New Testament, we find that Jesus, and then Jesus allows Peter to do what? Walk on water. 
I mean, it was well within the capabilities that God could have said, hey, all of you are just simply going to walk on the water across the Red Sea. But that's not how God chose to do it. God delivers in His own unique way, in His own unique time. We cannot just put Him in a box and expect things to happen like we expect. Now let me talk to you for just a second as your pastor. Because this is a point where a lot of times we get discouraged, don't we? Because we pray and we believe and suddenly we get something in our mind. Listen closely to me. We get something in our mind as is the way that we think God is supposed to do it and deliver us. Oh, I must be the only one that's ever done that. But we get in our mind, God, you've got to deliver me and you've got to deliver me this way. When God ain't never planning on doing that that way. He's got his own plan and his own way. We cannot be sure of how he will deliver. But we can always be assured that he will deliver. Job 5 and 19, he shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. Psalms 50 and 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In Deuteronomy 23 and 14, the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Can I just tell you that God is still in the delivering business. I still serve a God that is able to deliver us from every single problem that we may be in. You may have a health problem. God is able to deliver. You may have a marriage problem. God is able to deliver. You may have a financial problem. God is able to deliver. You may have some other relationship problem. God is able to deliver. I don't know what your problem may be, and I don't know exactly how he's going to fix your problem. And don't you get focused in on one specific way he's going to do it either. But just rest assured that when he gets ready to in his time, he is going to rescue you and deliver you in his way. Way. Give God praise if you believe that. We must always keep in mind that the Lord works in mysterious ways. We get it in our mind that He's going to do something this way. He's got to do it this way. He has to, but He don't have to. Come on, I wish you just punch the person lightly, not hard, beside you, and say, God don't have to do it like you think it needs to be done. <laughs> Number nine, view your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. Look at verse 30 and 31, Exodus 14. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. We don't always know why God allows problems but we know 
he intends to use them to heighten our maturity and to deepen our faith. And can I just be real honest with you this morning? I believe that's one of the major reasons why the Lord does not show us every single step along the way. Because let's be real. If he did, I said that a little bit earlier, that, that, that he's not going to show us. Just take the next logical step by faith. That he doesn't show Usually it's only one step at a time. Can I, just be, can I just get real with you? There has been some places the Lord has taken me, and there have been some things that I've had to go through. If I knew I was going that way and the Lord intended me to go that way, but I knew it was coming, I'm just going to be honest. I probably wouldn't have went that way. Maybe I'm, call me fleshly, call me faithless, call me what you want. But I know me, and I know that if I knew that God, he's taking me this way, and I knew what God had planned, some of those tough times that were coming to shape me and mold me and strengthen me, then I probably never would have went that direction. And that's the reason, I believe, why God doesn't give us every step of the way. Because he knows that we would probably, and no matter how spiritual y'all want to act today, I believe a lot of y'all are probably like me, and that if you knew some of the stuff you were going to have to go through, you would choose to not go through it either. Trials and troubles are dumbbells and treadmills for the soul. They develop strength, and they develop stamina. You see, many of us, we always want the victory. We always want the mountaintop. But folks, you're never really going to appreciate victory unless you face a battle. And you're never truly going to enjoy the mountaintop unless you've had to walk through a few valleys. Finally, number 10, don't forget to praise him. Look at chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will Exalt him. Imagine the scene. What has happened here? At this point, they've walked across. They've walked across and, and, and they have come across, and as they got to the other side, as they were getting to the other side, we find something interesting. The Bible says that the Lord lifted. He lifted that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire that was keeping Pharaoh on the other side. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh and all of his army then began charging in the same path that was used to deliver Israel was about to be the same thing he was going to use to destroy their enemy. 
and they come charging through this path. Something interesting that we find in this is the Bible even talks about the Lord even got in the chariots. Wheels started falling off of them. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians realized they got in the middle of that Red Sea, and the Egyptians started realizing God is fighting for these Israelites. We better get out of here. But before they could get out of there, God said, Moses, stretch your rod back over that sea. And as he stretched his rod over that sea, just like it parted, it then came back together. And those walls of water, which had been deliverance for the Israelites, became the destruction and the annihilation of their enemies. Can I just preach one more time and tell somebody that the junk that you're going through, the trial that you're going through, the hard time that you're facing today, are only things that God is using to strengthen you and strengthen your faith. And if you'll just let go and let God and have faith, God will use those very things which the enemy meant for your evil and he'll turn them around and he'll destroy the work of the enemy that is coming against you. So imagine, take yourself there. Close your eyes with me just for a moment. Take yourself there for just a moment. Standing on the other side on the banks of the Red Sea, thousands of Israelites, they've just walked through. And now they have seen the man that had enslaved them, the man that was bent on their annihilation, his body, and the bodies of every one of his soldiers begin to wash up on the shore of the Red Sea. I have to think that maybe for a few moments they had to stand there stunned and in disbelief. But it wasn't long until chapter 15, I believe, began to take place. Because then sang Moses, then their leader stood up and began to sing. And they begin to join him. I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Listen to me this morning. When we get through the trials, when we get through the tribulation, when you get through that place that has been so tough and so awful and you get to the other side and you see where God has delivered you, don't you forget to stop and praise the one that brought you through, the one that took care of you, the one that destroyed your enemy for you. Don't don't you forget, as they said, to make a habitation, the Lord said he inhabits the praises of his people. So when God gets you through, make a habitation of praise so that God can come in and be worshipped by you. Give God praise this morning if you believe that. The sad part is, Many times where we're at, in this particular story, we find that they all went through this all at one time. And so obviously it was a monumental moment 
that they all shared. But sometimes, nowadays, we all go through different storms and different trials separately, don't we? I mean, right now is a time that we look and we're all going through a lot of stuff together. There's not a person on planet Earth right now that hasn't in some way and some form been affected by COVID. There's not a person on this planet right now that has not in some way been affected by many of the things. And we're going through a lot of stuff together, but there are still things that we go through individually, don't we? There are still things that we're facing. There's stuff that, 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 that some have faced in this church that nobody else even knows about. Let's just be honest. There's some people like everybody to know their business, and some people are just a little more private. But we don't know everything that everybody has been through. And because of that, sometimes people will get through what has felt like to them hell on earth. And they get a praise on the inside of them. And sometimes us kind of, what am I going to call us? Seasoned Christians that's been around a while is like, now why are they acting like that? Oh, e even in Pentecostal churches that still happens. Why, why are they acting so crazy? Why they want to get up in the aisle and jump around? Why they want to shout that loud? Why, why they want to do that? Listen, folks, I, I've come to the place where I ain't turning nobody down if they want to praise the Lord. Now, I know there's been, I've been in this long enough. I know there's been some, they just want to make a spectacle for themselves. That's all right, and that's, that's why we've got discerning of spirits. But if somebody is genuinely wanting to praise the Lord and give God praise, what I, far be it from me to try to tell somebody not to praise God because I don't know everything that they have been through. And so can I tell somebody here today, when God brings you out, don't you forget to praise Him. Don't don't you let anybody, including me, don't you let anybody stand in your way and think, well, I don't know. I don't know what they'll think about me. If I dance, I don't know what they'll think about me. If I get up and run the aisles, I don't know what they'll think about me. If I shout, I don't know what they'll think of. Don't you worry about what anybody else will think about your praise except for the one that we are praising, and that is God Almighty. When God brings you out, don't you forget to praise him for what he's done. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. Just lift your hands. Would you do that for a moment? Just... Everyone that would, just lift your hands for just a moment. Just begin to thank the Lord and praise Him in your own way. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing here in this house. I thank you, O oh Lord, that you're delivering, that you're setting people free. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us out. You're bringing us out of bondage. You're bringing us out of Egypt. You're bringing us out. You're bringing us out of these. But I know that we've had to walk through them. I know that we've had to go through them. But, Lord, I'm believing that you're taking these things and you're turning them around for our good 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, for somebody here today, and they have been through it, I pray that this morning your word, I know not me, but your word, Lord, has reminded them, Lord, that you are going to take this thing that they have been facing, this thing that the enemy has meant for their destruction, you're going to take it and you're going to turn it around for the good, the very thing, the very thing that was the blocking agent, the very thing that was the trial, that Red Sea that stood in the way is going to be their deliverance. It's going to be not only their deliverance, but it's going to be the thing that you will use, O Lord, to destroy the enemy that has come against them, O God. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for strength I pray for faith, Lord. I pray for revival in our midst, O oh God. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I bless the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessing be your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. Hallelujah. Thank you, O Lord. If there's anybody here, and I'm not going to, over these next few weeks, I'm probably not just because of caution, because of what's going on, I'm going to try not to gather too much right here in the altars with big crowds. But I want to pray with you right where you're at. If you're there, right there in your seat, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking around, and you say, Pastor, you know, I'm, I'm facing some stuff, and I need the Lord to help me. I need His direction. I'm facing a Red Sea, and I need the Lord to help me. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Just keep them up right now. I'm not, you know me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not about to call you out, but I am about to pray for you right there where you're at right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I wish if somebody's around you with their hand up, would you just lay your hand on their shoulder? You don't have to get no oil and slap them on the forehead, but but if somebody is near you with their hand up, would you just gently lay your hand on their shoulder right now and agree with them that God is going to help them. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for those with their hands up in this building right now. Those that are facing things. They're facing some Red Sea things. They're facing some problems that are standing in their way. Lord, some of them feel like that they've got mountains on the side of them, an army behind them, a Red Sea in front. They don't know how there's going to be any way out. But, Lord, I declare, I declare right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you will make a way where there seems to be no way, that you will deliver them, that you will set them free, that you will, oh God, use the thing that the enemy has brought to destroy them and turn it around for their good, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that nobody would give up. I pray that nobody would allow fear. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I come against the spirit of fear right now. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, I come against the spirit of fear. It has no place in the life of the Christian. It has no place in the life of the child of God. There is not room for fear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, it's not even 12. I'm not going to take a long time, but I want to do one more thing. I was stopped right there. If you're here, if you're here and you are dealing, you are, again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to stick a microphone in your mouth and ask you what it's about. But if you're here and you're, you're dealing with fear right now, maybe fear over sickness, this virus, it may be fear over what you see in the news that the Taliban's going to come over here and blow us up. It may be fear over losing your job. You're fine. I don't know what it may be, but I just came by here this morning to remind you one more time that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And if you're here this morning, I'm not here to condemn you because the prophet Elijah called down fire from heaven, killed all these 800 false prophets, and then Jezebel gave out a little threat, and he tucks tail and runs scared. So I'm not trying to act like you are somehow tainted or you're somehow not a good Christian because if Elijah, who called down fire, can get scared, then you and I can get scared. What I have come to do is just to remind you, you don't have to stay that way, and there's a God that will help you you this morning so if you're here today and you want to say pastor you know what I've been struggling with some fear would you just put your hand up anybody here I've been struggling with some fear it's all right come on come on father right now in the name of Jesus Christ I pray for every person under the sound of my voice whether they've lifted their hand or not they've been struggling with some fear Lord I just rebuke it again in the name of Jesus Christ because I believe just as you told them that the Red Sea that you told Moses tell them to go forward I believe they needed to take that one little step in faith and then Moses stretched out that rod and the Red Sea was parted. God just lifting their hand this morning and admitting I don't want this fear to control me. I don't want this fear to rule over me. Just the lifting of that hand I believe is an act of faith to say God help me and get in the middle of this right now. I rebuke that fear in Jesus' mighty name. And I declare peace. And I declare joy. And I declare joy unspeakable and full of glory, oh God. I declare in Jesus' mighty name that they'll rest in peace. I declare in Jesus' mighty name that they're going to walk around in joy. I declare faith over fear today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, one more time. Would you just lift your hands all across this room and just begin to praise Him as they begin to sing something?